guide our um, just our literal actions. So the, yes. the third one here is thought. right. Is it thought? The third mm. one? No. Nope. You ruined it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Secular Buddhism for Skeptical Atheists, the podcast for people really of any religious background that just want to learn how to take the core concepts of Buddhism and apply them to their own real life to make things a little bit better for themselves and those around them. My name is Mike Hoffman. I am joined, as always... By me. By you. By me, Dougie Robertson. Dougie yep. Robertson. How do you feel? I feel great. I'm, I'm very psyched to be here. The title for today's episode is Karma's a Bitch, So Don't Be One. Oh, you said bitch. Oh, controversial. Yeah. Just got us that E. I wanted to talk about karma because it is one of the most common, that's one of the most well-known concepts in Buddhism. Well, certainly and... well-known words, right? It's a word that gets used a lot. Yes, okay, yeah, I Buddhism. stand corrected. Karma is used a lot. There it's is an elaboration, famously... not a correction. I don't know if you ever saw My Name is Earl. Do you remember that? No, I didn't have a television growing up, Michael. This was a single camera sitcom about a guy that... Was Earl... he called Earl? Earl, yeah. Okay, cool. Previously a scumbag, wins a lottery scratch card for a lot of money and but supposedly because he's a scumbag gets run over by a car interesting loses the ticket oh dear sees on tv i believe a segment with carson daly talking about karma and the effects of karma and good things happen to good people so oh dear. he commits a good act after being inspired by this and okay. immediately the lottery ticket comes back to him oh that's such a able to claim his money oh that is such a i mean so that that is a really interesting example because it sums up really nicely what most people assume karma means yes so this sparks this guy off on the rest of the series is essentially him re making right the wrongs that he's done to people on this list of um interesting uh I, karmic sins i guess interesting under the concept that his life is going to get better and better so his motivation there is that he'll do good things and they'll come back to him. Yeah. That's so interesting. And isn't that a very Western perception of what karma means? Well, I yes. If you'd asked me that yesterday, I would have said it was a very accurate um, <laughs> <laughs> um, idea of, uh, of karma. But yes, actually, it turns out that is a very Western idea of uh, karma. Karma is this sense of a kind of cosmic justice. Why don't you tell me a little bit about... Because um, you, you were saying in prep for this that karma is not necessarily restricted just to buddhism it's a concept shared yes buddhism has a concept of karma but so does for instance hinduism there's uh this idea that the soul is reborn many times but i think i think the thing that that from all my reading about this resonated the most with me about what karma actually is mm. is a much simpler definition actually than the definition that we might have in our heads um and it is simply if i do something something will happen. That is simple enough to be very safe to start with, I think. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be controversial. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good that's a good solid grounding. If I do something, something else will happen. Yes. Okay. Our goal in this podcast is to take the superstitious and pull it apart from the practical aspects of day-to-day -day life. Yes. So, uh, and I think to to do that justice, we should really kind of yeah, with karma especially, I think it's important that we're quite clear about that. Mm -hmm. So um, religious Buddhists talk about 
achieving nirvana and that is the ultimate sense of enlightenment you are no longer having an impact kind of positive or negative on the world um if you have done anything that has left you with a say you were giving it a point value like I, I don't know if you'll have seen the tv show the good place another single camera sitcom but this one is the concept that um everything you do has a points value associated with it and at its most basic level good things have positive points and, and bad, bad things, things take away okay. from your value although the good places concept is that unless you have a very high points total you're not getting into the good place in traditional buddhism the concept is unless your points value to put in air quotes around that is zero you're going to come back in a future life coming from the karma that you're creating so like you said every action that you make something else is going to happen as a result of that and traditional buddhism sees that as a very cosmic force yes but that's not we're not here to tell everyone to be you know, we're not saying, guys, you should all really be Buddhist monks. That's what you should really do. No, because this is... This Can is... I quote the 14th Dalai Lama here? I have a great quote that I think is really relevant. I've been Please saving. do. So he said, and I'm quoting this from a third party source. He said, do not try to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist, but use it to be a better whatever you already are. I, as I, I've touched on before, I just, I'm, I'm not ready to label myself as a, as a Buddhist, mm -hmm. but I don't want to by the same token, exclude or discount all of these ideas um, because of that. And so the idea that I can engage with them without becoming a Buddhist monk and, you know, is, is to me is quite an uplifting thing to ponder. And this is an example of an area where um, these traditional practices really butt up with modern life because it's pretty much impossible. I, I feel, and I don't know if you agree or if anyone listening agrees, but... It, let's just say it's going to be damn hard to get through life not having had any impact in any kind of way on those around us when we still have a job we still have shopping to do down at the supermarket and we're still out there congesting the streets and participating in the economy doing all of that stuff um i think a more modern take on karma is an extension of mindfulness which as we hopefully know from previous episodes is being not just going through life doing what you're doing, but being aware of what you're doing and the impacts that it's having and the causes, the conditions that are making you do what you're doing. Yeah, I think I think that has resonated most with me in my I struggle with the idea of reincarnation. I'm gonna put that out there. But this idea of uh, you know, our actions having an endless ripple effect in an ever changing world is I mean, I find that very hard to argue with. Yeah. And so I would say for me, just personally, the thought of considering karma as a force on the world is a very real life practical element. I don't I know that I don't exist on my own. I am surrounded by people at work. I am surrounded by people that live in the borough that I live in. And But you, you just use the word force, which I think is quite nice. Karma is a force. And I think I think the idea that karma is a force like gravity, like a, a sort of a natural law. Mm -hmm. um, of cause and effect I think is quite that's I, I think that's quite a nice way of looking at it yes and with all of these people that I'm interacting with even just by passing them on the street it's an interaction of a sort I um, if I am acting 
positively or negatively towards them, that is going to have an impact on how they feel on that day. They are then potentially going to carry that into their actions. Yeah. They might then have an interaction with someone that I need to interact with later on, or it might be a whole chain of events down the line. But at some point, not saying it's definitely going to come back to me in this very kind of glib, what goes around comes around, which is maybe another... Mischaracterization of karma. Yeah, yeah. Western definitely. perspective on, on what karma means. Um, but there, I, I feel that there is very real potential for, for my actions to cause a chain of events that comes back and has an effect on me at some point down the line. Yes, and, and I think also just realizing that an effect can in itself give rise to or be an action means that you can be more mindful of your your passes that as that ripple passes if you imagine a stone dropping into a pond as that ripple mm-hmm. passes you then realizing that that's happening and realizing that you can choose you have some agency in terms of what action you take um, rather than just being a sort of passive conduit for this this ripple i think that's quite interesting as well yeah there's something very empowering about knowing that um, you have the ability to make, literally make the world around you a happier place. And hopefully as a result of that, have the chance to be a bit happier yourself. I think maybe we should talk about some of the ways that karma, when viewed from this perspective, can have an effect, whether yeah. that's a very direct and immediate kind of between two people effect or in a wider ecosystem of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and some of this might sound like just common sense when you think about it, but I think it, it bears making explicit so, because some it's it's the kind of thing that we can just take for granted yeah, definitely. in it life sometimes. Hiding in plain sight, I think. Yeah. So a very direct example of karma, I would say, is um, your daily interactions with a person that's close to you in some way, whether it's a family member or a partner, someone that you live with. So... Put in very simple terms, in times of trouble, I always hope that I have shown enough love and support for my friends and my close family members that when I need their love and support, that will be available to me. And I know I understand that that is kind of a, is very is driven by a very kind of I perspective because. I hope that the outcome is going to be that they're going to be around for me. But for the mo- the way that that results in me behaving is hopefully very positive for them because I'm trying to be present for them and give them support. And that's a very that's a very direct one-on-one heading in your direction and then heading back to me example of karma. What do you think of that? I suppose the difficulty with that could be if you are setting yourself up with a, a kind of an expectation of mm-hmm. immediate reciprocity. I mean, you know, if you're there for someone, if you're if you present with someone and especially in a time where it's maybe difficult for that person then that's definitely a good thing but if i suppose if that's based on the expectation of something coming back or the hope of something coming back in such a direct way hopes can be dashed and you know and then would you be back would we be back at suffering sure so if i'm doing this solely based on the expectation that is going to lead to them then being there for me no matter what then that's setting myself up for a fail but because, at the same time, I mean, you're that sounds. I mean, I imagine that that wouldn't be the only motivator. In reality, you want to do it because you care about them, mm-hmm. you know. But you're uh, telling yourself the story that, yeah, the what goes around comes around story. Hmm. I think the important th- 
message that this hammers home is that karma in a practical sense is improving the environment that you live in so you're improving your odds of having a good day you're improving your potential for having a a um a safety net of helpful people around you yes you're sort of taking mindful control of your action and making sure that it's positive whilst also acknowledging there's sort of nothing more that you can control beyond that Mm -hmm. absolutely and um you know nothing is ever definite uh, in terms of how people are going to react and you can see it play out in the opposite direction so if you're um if you're just having a terrible day, you're tired and you're hungry and you've been struggling to get home uh, or whatever, something bad is, is, is happening and you have no patience and you get home and the person that you live with has maybe like left out some dishes or they're getting in your way in some way and you end up snapping at them. If that, there's a couple of different ways that they, they, could go i mean it could be that they are Mm. a a very kind of calm mindful person themselves and they're able to sort of see past that initial suffering that you've put them in and move through it because they understand well maybe mike's having a bad day yeah um but there's also a very good chance that that then negatively affects their disposition towards you and you have the potential for increased suffering because they then are you're in a kind of feedback loop, aren't you? In a feedback loop, yeah. exactly. That's a that's a very direct one person to one person example of karma in a real world non superstitious effect. We're not saying that because you've been bad to this person, they or someone else is gonna come back and and just a hundred percent they're gonna be bad to you. But it kind of follows through common sense almost. If you are not thinking about how you're speaking to someone and you upset them by virtue of being upset, their ability to then deal with you further down the line for something that you've done is going to be lowered. And I mean, this is all still something I'm, I would say I'm getting my head around. I'm very much in a growth mindset place when it comes to karma. But something, something someone once said to me, which was quite interesting, is that it can be quite a good way of examining your, your sort of motivations around doing things. Um, The concrete example that they gave was uh, you're at work. And you see someone coming, carrying loads of stuff, um, and there's a door. um, And you know they're not going to be able to open the door. And you hold the door open for them. They go through the door, but they don't say anything to you, Mm -hmm. and they carry on. And at that point, lots of people would feel quite uh, indignant that they hadn't said thank you. Sure. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, That hurts. Yeah. (laughs) I feel it. Yeah, because we have this expectation. There's this... Yeah, there's a, there's an expectation that someone would say thank you because we tell ourselves that that's the, the appropriate way to respond. Those are the parameters in which we would expect someone to act. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, we have no idea where they were going, you know, what's happening in their day, whether they even saw you. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You know, your motivation ideally would be you just want to hold the door open for them because it might make their day a bit better. Uh, well, let's explore that motivation a little bit more because this, to me, sounds like an example of that wider ecosystem of people or interconnected network yes. of people yeah i think that's fair so say you're um maybe maybe the place that that person is going is into the office building that you've just come out okay from. sure okay mm-hmm. now when you're just thinking 
about yourself from an ego perspective in that moment, your ego being the collection of um, me, myself, and I. These are all the things I think about myself. Yes. And I think that I'm a very polite person and manners mean a lot. So I'm going to be offended if yes. someone isn't polite and says thank you when yes. I hold the door. Because you're so nice. You're so nice. You hold doors open for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this is someone that is um, looking from an ego perspective at just the immediate impact of what's happening around them and not being very mindful thinking about the bigger picture thinking yeah. about how we are all connected together yes. with our impacts on one another and they're suffering right they're opening the door for someone and actually suffering as a result because yes. the person and isn't complying with their, their expectations yes and um, if you want some more information on that do make sure to check out our episode on big ego and how to get over yourself because we dive all in and over and all around the suffering subject we love suffering um, Someone, someone with that perspective is quite likely to get caught up in a stew of, oh, some people are so impolite and she just didn't even look at me when I opened that door so for rude. her. She's so rude. She is. Um, but is she? I mean, there's there are so many unknowns in that story. We don't know why she may not have said thank you. We don't know if she's caught up in her own kind of stressful situation. But chances are, by... Doing that small act, opening the door in this example, we're making her life, if not better, at least less difficult. We're not getting in her way. Mm. We're not, we're hopefully not chastising her mm. for not having said thank you. Ideally, no. So taking I mean, in. Does it even matter whether she's rude or not? I mean, maybe she is just a rude person, but maybe, maybe that's the reality that we just need to accept. But it doesn't mean, you know, we, we, if we only hold the door open for polite people, then that says more about us. <laughs> Maybe, but taking a karmic is that too meta. Taking a well, no, I mean, is anything too meta for no. a mindfulness Definitely discussion? Not. Taking a karmic perspective on what then happens next in that ecosystem, and still keeping it very simple and just making it uh, two hops, so from her to another person yes. rather than just one on one. Perhaps she's going in to speak to the receptionist. Mm. You may have improved her mood. You may have just helped her not get in any worse of a mood if she's already in a bad mood and who's to say. But if she then speaks to the receptionist and is neutral to that person or kind to that person, then your karma is being transferred there. Because if you've been negative to this person, she might be in a worse mood. She might be more short if the receptionist is not able to help them. Yeah, I can imagine that. And then... The impact that has on you is when you get back to work and you have a room that needs booked or you're trying to get somewhere, if reception is in less of a good mood, it might not be that they can't then help you, but there's a decent chance that you're going to feel that this person is in less of a good mood. Yeah. And that is a just... A, it already requires taking a more holistic view on things to to be able to make that stretch. Yeah. But even that, that's a that's quite a simple two hop process of mm. my action is having a karmic in air quotes effect on this person going into this building, who's then having a karmic effect on this person that I'm going to interact with later. And you can extrapolate that as far down the chain as you want, because for each of those people that's being impacted, that impact is the first impact that they were having. So that doesn't get diluted anywhere down the line. The only thing that dilutes mm -hmm. that is people's own disposition, their mm -hmm. own ability to kind of absorb the shocks of negative 
um, mm. situations or their ability to see the positive in situations and kind yeah. of positively inf- influence their karma around them. Yeah. It would be interesting to examine why you're holding the door open for her in a way. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe the, you know, the sequel, the prequel to this, this anecdote is that yesterday someone held the door open for you and it was quite nice. And you were like, oh, I should do that more. And then, yeah, absolutely. You, maybe, you know, you're passing it on. So, and, and so this is the this is the Buddhist concept of interconnectedness. Again, not a term that you need to dwell on, but it's just the understanding that nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything that we do is the result of the um, various causes and conditions in the world around us. It's not just something has spontaneously occurred in my mind. I mean, sometimes it might be, but um, most of our thoughts are we come to over the period over the course of experiencing everything else that we've experienced in our life. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Even on the most simple level, it might be as easy as someone has done a similarly charitable thing for us that might just be opening a door and we've passed that on down the line. Yeah. None of this exists in a vacuum. No, it's cause and effect. Cause and effect. Uh, But like endless cause and effect. mm -hmm. So the question then becomes, how do we know if we're being a good person, how do we know if we, what kind of framework do we have to say, this is the right way to go about things. This is how I am going to carry myself in the world. Any thoughts? Well, it's interesting, right? Because the idea of good is in some ways very subjective. Mm. Evil is a point of view, Anakin and all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I happen to know that Buddhism as a framework outlines this in quite a clear way. Ooh, that's a nice idea. Let's get into that. Yes. So this is one out of two concepts that we are going to very specifically talk about the traditional Buddhist framing of of the concept and really spend actual time dwelling on the specifics. The other one from our previous episode, let's say it's a previous episode. Yeah. I think think this flows nicely. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, So... The first of those concepts was the Four Noble Truths. We talked about that in our yes. episode about ego. And yes. that is the fact that we are all going to suffer. Yes, We worsen our suffering by dwelling on it. Yes, But we can get over that and we can do so by having perspective and being mindful and deconstructing our own ego. Yes, This second concept that we're going to talk about... It kind of expands right on the fourth of those Noble Truths. Yes, how to be mindful. Um this is called the Eightfold Path. So Buddhism in particular, I think, is so full of um, terminologies considering the four this and the three that and the eight of yes. whatever. Yeah. You don't need to, at the end of this episode, there's going to be no pop quiz, dear no. listener. You, no. don't, you don't need to memorize what the specifics of the Eightfold Path are. What you need to know is that this is basically a cheat sheet for how to check yourself that you're acting in a karmically yes. positive way. And I, I want to interject here that I think, well, certainly from my perspective in a kind of Judeo-Christian context, it's very hard not to be aware of the idea of the Ten Commandments. Sure. And I think it's very easy to assume that these are sort of, you know, like the Buddhist Eight Commandments. Mm-hmm. You know, these are eight things that you must do mm-hmm. without questioning because we're telling you to. And it's not that at all. No. And I think I think that's quite important to bear in mind. Yeah, these are not um, what did I write down here in my notes? I said, um, learn to check in with yourself in brackets, mindfulness. Yes. And ask, can I justify to myself that what I'm doing or saying is a good thing? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Dougie, I'm going to give you a quiz. It's not a real quiz. Okay. There are no points. Okay. And there are no right or wrong answers. Feeling really motivated now. Except I do have my notes and I know what I've written. Okay. So okay. I am going to go through each of these in turn. And I'm going to ask you what they mean to you. So there's eight of them. Okay. It is an eightfold path. Okay. An eightfold uh, quiz. And uh, the traditional terminology is, they call it right and then blah. So the first one is right view. And it just means having the right perspective on each of these things. Okay. Okay. But don't get hung up on the right. Let's just go for it. So right view. What does that mean to you? I think for me, right view is about about being aware of what I'm seeing and thinking and how those two things are interacting and taking conscious control of that i've written here seeing the world as it actually is so Mm. being aware of and a a lot of these answers are going to sound like mindfulness because this is all so connected in with mindfulness but this is if you're asking have i used right view here you're asking yourself have i taken the time not just seeing the person being rude to me that i've let in through the door but actually taking a view on it that says, well, they're their own person with their own life and have their own things going on. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm not just seeing the friend that's punched me on the arm <laughs> back on this again. again. Yeah. And um, I'm thinking, oh my God, out of nowhere, they've just punched me on the arm. Mm. I'm um, taking a view and saying something has caused that. And that then opens up the the possibility for me to say, is it because they're stressed? Is it because mm. I've been annoying? Is mm. it because they're trying to be funny? Mm. I mean, there are all of these things. And if you're not taking right view, you're just, you're, you're just, you're going to see something Yes. by default. Mm-hmm. But if you're just accepting that initial reaction of your yeah. view, yeah. then that's not taking right view. Yeah. So in my translation, I actually have understanding, which is quite interesting, um, but it means the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, this idea of having the right understanding of what's happening in front of you, which, in, which sound, when you say it out loud, sounds really obvious. You know, you see it and it's there. But mm-hmm. in reality, we don't, we don't just see what's in front of us. We see there are so many layers between our eyes and what's actually happening. Yeah. And when you say understanding, I think empathy. And I think being, using empathy to be aware that there, is more, there are more perspectives out there on what just happened than your own perspective. Yes. And yeah. That would be right view. Okay, next one, right intention. Yeah, so right intention kind of harks back to, to what we were saying earlier about this person who's very nobly holding open the doors. You know, does that person understand why they're holding open the door? Um, and know, is that are they what's motivating them? What's behind behind that action? Do, are they are they doing it because they want the instant gratification of having someone say thank you? I mean, quite being, possibly they are possibly and being seen as a good person Mm. i mean that going by this construct the eightfold path wouldn't necessarily be right intention yeah the right intention is doing something because it's going to create a more positive environment yes for those around you it's going to improve the life of this person yeah and it's a great fringe benefit that that's going to come back to you down the line yes but that shouldn't be your your sort of motivating factor you shouldn't think well I don't think it is going to come back to me, so I'm just going to let them open the door themselves. Yeah. And so in this construct that is helping us check ourselves to say, am I acting in the right way? Right intention is helping us um, identify, am I doing this for that instant gratification of being a good person? Am I doing this because I'm craving more money? Am I doing this because like I'm hungry? Like Whatever it yes. is, yeah, yeah. what's driving me right now? And is that something I can, is the reason for 
doing this something I can really justify. Yes. Okay, so the next one, right action. So I suppose that that's probably a bit simpler in as much, well, easiest for me to understand anyway when I was reading through these. Clearer to explain. Yes. Watch so, us nail it. Yes. I mean, it's about taking the right actions. Uh, oh, <laughs> controversial. That, I, know, I know. Let me elaborate on that. Uh, action of karma, of course, meaning action. But it's about, you know, not causing harm to other people and indeed to ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. I think in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty simply, by doing this thing, once you've already uh, identified your intention, yeah. um, do I have good intentions, but is the road to hell paved with good intentions? Am I actually thinking through what the knock-on effects could possibly be? Yes. I can't think of everything. No. But am I doing due diligence enough to know that I'm acting in the right way that is not going to negatively affect someone? Yes. And I think it's very interesting with this one that it highlights both harm to ourselves and to other people. I think I think it's quite intuitive not to deliberately do harm to other people. I think most people would sort of that that's something people do generally think about. Mm. But I think in terms of not doing harm to yourself, I think maybe is maybe something where we don't check ourselves quite as much. But all that that is going to generate is an increasingly negative environment just within yourself where it's harder and harder to then have the positive energy to do the right thing by others exactly so yeah. it's n it never ends up being a positive thing yes so we should all be kind to ourselves equally yes as we are kind to other people yes and also if you're not kind to yourself then you'll find it much harder to be kind to other people exactly so we've had right view right intention right action next one right speech following on from right action i think <laughs> so elaborating on right speech i suppose most simply, it's about not not causing harm with what you say. Things like lying, things like like gossiping is something that comes up quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Do we see gossiping as an entirely negative thing? I don't know. Well, I mean, gossiping can be arguably a pro-social thing. It, it can help with cohesion um, with the person that you are gossiping to. Yes. Pro probably not at the, the person of... that you're gossiping about. Yes. But again, if you take that ecosystem view how that then impacts other people is there a potential that the person you're gossiping to mm. then is developing an increasingly negative perspective mm. on the person that you're gossiping about maybe yes. to then have the potential to act less positively towards them in the future mm. uh, which then has a detrimental effect on that person's mood and mm. might that person then be interacting with you if you're gossiping yes. about them there's a half decent chance that you know them Mm. And there's going to be some kind of, and if you don't know them, mm. I mean, celebrity gossip is one of the, um, one of the most popular national pastimes in the UK. Definitely. I mean, we have newspapers and websites dedicated to this mm. stuff, but I can't say I've ever come out of a, a session of clicking through those articles feeling positive uplifted good about the world <laughs> no you know it doesn't leave me with the feeling no. of wow we're really here looking out for one another yeah it's not that's yeah that wouldn't be generally my takeaway either from that scenario all it makes me think is i never ever want to be famous yes yes <laughs> yeah yes so please no one listen to this podcast yes please don't right speech is the second of three that come back to back in this eightfold path that i think guide our um just our literal actions so the, yes. the third one here is thought. right is it thought the third one no nope, you ruined it <laughs> so the, the third one here is right livelihood okay relatively self-explanatory mm. um are we causing harm harm uh through our jobs 
Are we doing something that we can justify to ourselves? And this is where something where in the real world it gets a little bit murky because it turns out there's a lot that people can justify to themselves for money. Yes. Um, but again, taking a very practical point of view, this is not going to be the case for everyone, but I would guess that chances are you're going to be able to sleep better at night if you're knowing that you're helping the world through your day-to-day or at least being neutral as opposed to yes i don't know um flooding rivers with toxic sludge for example, for example. I, I feel like the people at the, at the top of that kind of scenario might not feel as great they might still be able to get through it but there's going to be a lot more in their lives yes. to have to get through they probably wouldn't look over it like with love and think oh yes i really enjoyed it when i felt great when yeah put all that sludge in that river yeah Okay, so we've had our three right action, right speech, right livelihood that really help us in the moment. Um, taking all of this up a level, the next one, right effort. So, yeah, right efforts. It's about how you spend your energy, how you use your energy. We all have finite amounts of energy. Um, and right and right effort is about using that energy to basically to follow these other the other parts of this this yeah, path, this right. framework. Mm. It's um. This is the check where you're saying, am I doing what I can to justify against all these other parts of the Eightfold Path? Mm. Have I taken the second? Because I know it's hard. And this is what I I said we were going to put in a box at the side for the moment. It is so hard to be mindful about all things all the time and to feel like you're going through life examining everything that you're doing. Definitely. There's no one. It's a skill, right? It's a skill that you just have to develop and it's a skill in that it's something you can get better at, but I, there's no one that I know in the world, I might be wrong, but that is just constantly doing that in all moments at all times. Yeah. Definitely. It's tough. It requires effort. A lot. And um, a core thing in mindfulness that we'll come back to when we talk more in depth about meditation in a future episode is a big part of mindfulness is understanding when you've been distracted away from that and dragging yourself back back on topic dragging yourself back to the point of again being mindful and being aware and that but dragging dragging yourself kindly kindly back <laughs> yeah with love i i say drag because it is it is an effort you're not yes yeah um you're not beating yourself up about it because that's increasing your experience of suffering mm. um but it is taking the effort to refocus after you've lost sight of what's going on in your own mind and that's why for me right effort and right mindfulness which is the next, the next one, one. Mm-hmm. are so closely connected mm. so right mindfulness in my notes I've, I've put here paying attention to everything we think say and do and um yeah like we're saying that is very tough mm. especially to do all the time yeah with no judgment and just observing and um, and then intervening that's there's just quite a lot going on there and what sounds like a very simple process agreed wrapping all of those up we have right concentration help you out a little bit on this one because this is actually the subject of a future episode turns out there's a lot of science uh behind oh god oh we've committed to it now so now we're gonna have to deliver research yeah yeah (laughs) um no i think it's a fair i think this is just true so yeah there 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 is a lot of evidence for the power of meditation and um Right concentration is directing you to the act of meditation to strengthen that mental muscle that mm. lets you pull yourself back mm. into the moment 
And noticing when you've left the moment in the first place, I suppose. Absolutely. So as a quick spoiler, um, one of the most basic forms of meditation, mindfulness meditation that we do is focusing inwards on the sensation. Often it's the sensation of breath that instructors teach you to, to focus on. Mm. So mm. you just feel that you're breathing in and out and what that feels like in your in your nose, in your head, in your chest. And... Um, your mind is naturally going to just shoot off in all different directions. Mm. When that happens, you accept it. You bring your mind right back on topic to just thinking about the breath until the next time it happens. And every time that happens and you recognize it, it's a victory. And it's the same thing here. It's, it's building up that mental ability to realize when you've lost sight of what's mm. really important, mm. you've stopped looking into what are the causes and effects of what I'm doing here or what someone else is doing mm. and have temporarily lost the ability to act mm. in uh, alignment with this eightfold path. Mm. So that's a lot. Yeah. I'm we'll do a whole episode on it. Yeah. But I'm going to go back over the eightfold path and just run down through the list. So we have right view, seeing the world as it is, not just the way that you're experiencing it in the moment taking a wider holistic view, right intention, understanding your intentions behind your actions. Why, what's motivating you? Why am I doing this? Mm. Is it to help this person or is it because I want something? Mm. Right action. Am I being harmful to myself or to others? Right speech. Am I causing harm through lying, gossiping? Right livelihood. Am I causing harm through my work? Right effort. Am I putting energy into following the rest of this path because it's mm. it's tough right mindfulness every time i'm falling off the path am i able to bring myself to that mm. and right mm -hmm. concentration have i been building up the strength via meditation to um be able to identify more quickly when i have fallen off the path mm. there's a lot there there is a lot there and I, I i don't know about you but i think you can kind of categorize these together i see three categories there so you have right view and and right intention and that is the kind of, uh, and arguably maybe right mindfulness. That that that's the. Mm. So with those three, you are trying to be um, a better person, or let's say trying to act with positive karma by examining your actions a little bit more closely and examining other people's actions, so that you're not just acting reactively. You're mm. responding. Yeah, you're you're taking the time to. Um, distance yourself a little bit from the rawness of whatever you're going through then you've got right action speech and livelihood and those are the ones that on paper are a lot easier to to check off yeah you they're know? quite concrete aren't am they? i yeah like in in the next five minutes am i going to be stabbing anyone hopefully not that would be not in accordance with right action yes in the next five minutes am i going to be um lying under oath in court that possibly won't be right speech Am I gossiping about my friends? Yeah. Um, and then you have right effort and right concentration and probably right mindfulness in there. So mindfulness is so important, it's fitting into two categories. Yeah, that's allowed. That's definitely allowed. And this is really the category of the, of the how, the building up the strength and giving yourself um, being conscious of the framework that you're using to follow this path. It's, there's just a lot here, isn't there? That's, when you look at them one by one, you sort of think, oh, this is great. You know, that sounds really doable. I'm going to do that. Yeah. That sounds like, why wouldn't I do that? Mm -hmm. I do that all the time. But then then there's another one and another one. You think, oh, actually, you know, there's quite a lot, a lot going on here. I think 
the more mindful you are, then the more consciously you'll be acting, the more consciously you'll be talking, the more consciously you'll be thinking, hopefully. I mean, I, I'm definitely at the beginning of my journey with that. Mm. Um, but it's, it's given me a lot to think about. So let's, I mean, we've, we've talked about um, the traditional Buddhist concept of karma and it's tying in with the sort of superstition of reincarnation. Um, we've talked about the more kind of modern and practical view and the fact that we live in these interconnected systems. No one is just an island. Yeah. Everyone is having to interact with everyone else. Mm. And so you're... Is going- if I do something, something will happen. Exactly. If I do something, something will happen. And we've talked about the Eightfold Path, which helps us check ourselves to say, in good conscience, is the thing that I am doing more likely to lead to the thing that happens after being positive, either for someone else or down the line through that network effect for myself. Mm. And that Eightfold Path is right view, intention, action, speech, livelihood effort mindfulness and concentration yeah what are some of the things you would hope someone would take away from this i think the thing about this is you have to keep coming back to it because it in reality it's much easier to put into practice in the moment Mm. so it's easier to think about right for right speech for instance you know if you're having a good old bitch about someone over a chardonnay Mm -hmm. with with sandra on a friday evening then you're more likely maybe to think oh i'm having a real bitch mm-hmm. as long as you notice that you're you're doing it then it will come back and you'll think oh oh yeah right speech yeah. maybe i'm not doing right speech but if you know if you're sitting by yourself for the whole day and you don't speak anyone you're not speaking then it might feel a bit abstract but it but, <laughs> right. but do you know what i mean like and you might not even notice it at the time but you might you might come back to it and think oh yeah those guys on that podcast were talking about right speech yeah. maybe that wasn't right speech it's hard i mean yeah it's all of us myself definitely i am going to fall out of line with these constantly it takes it takes constant effort it takes that's okay right it's about realizing that you're doing it that's the first the main i feel like that's more than half the battle yeah sort of consciously realizing that you're doing i think what i would like people to take away from this is that everything that you do has a a bigger impact than you think it's going to Mm. and even if you know it, it sounds melodramatic to say bigger impact when what i'm talking about in a lot of cases most day-to-day cases are going to be just improving or decreasing the quality of someone's mood by i don't know a percentage point however Mm. you measure and calculate moods in percentage um but there's so many so many ways that everything you do and everything that you say can affect someone that you'll never think of them all but you do need to put some energy into trying to think about it just from the perspective of do i think i'm doing the right thing yeah because if you do impact someone's mood that stream of effect is potentially never ending so much so that it has a decent chance i would say of coming back to you yeah so although it's easy to think i'm going to do this thing and no one's ever going to know and it's never going to come back to me even if that thing feels a little fairly benign but you know that it's not the the best action that you could take in that moment i think there's a much bigger chance in non-superstitious really real life impactful ways that it can come back to you and so if you want your own life to be a little better that for me is a great motivator for trying to do the right thing yeah no that makes sense
All right, well, so there it is. Case in point, karma is a bitch, so don't be one. Um, in, in the real world, maybe it is a little easier than you think for your actions to come back and have consequences for you, even if it's tiny. But that is a good thing because it means you have the opportunity to make the world better and to make your own experience of the world a little bit better. Yeah, but by, by like acting consciously, right? Exactly. By And you don't need to go through life saying, I am following the Eightfold Path now. But just know that there are tools out there. If you can justify to yourself, I am thinking about this, I am acting the best way that I know how, and I'm putting in the effort every day to try and do the right thing, then you have a much better chance of having a happier life, I think, Yes. as a result of that. Yeah. And I think that's really nice. Yes. Okay, so that was it for Karma. If you want to get in touch with either of us for any questions or comments on what we've spoken about in this episode or any others, my Instagram and Twitter handles are at OMG Mike Hoffman. Here we go. And mine is uh, Douglas, but uh, spelt with some numbers. So it's D0UG7A5. Yeah, so that's Douglas, but the O is a zero, the L is a seven, and the and S, S is a, five. is a five. Yes. Great. Okay, so thanks for joining us as always. And until the next one, see you later. See you later. Bye.